Hey kids, you like violence? It's time for that drummer guy. That drummer guy. That drummer guy. That drummer guy? That drummer guy. Two hours of the best in heavy music today. He's like, I have a radio show. Go listen. I'm like, okay. This guy loves and breathes heavy metal. The list of names he interviews is insane, and each one seems to be better than the last. He makes me call him that drummer guy in the bedroom, too. Right here, right now. Right here with that drummer guy. It's metal, metal, metal. Up your ass. That's one more thing to regret later. Cheers. Hey, everybody. This is That German Guy, and I'm here to present you two hours of the best in heavy music today. This week, I have three brand new interviews from the likes of Kings of Dust, Novena, and Semblant. And we'll be ending the show with a brand new track off an album that just came out this past Friday. But first, let's get right into the interviews with the band Novena to talk about the brand new album 11th Hour, which just came out this past Friday on Frontiers Music. In this interview, I talked to Harrison White and Cameron Spence to talk about the formation of the band, where the band has gone over the last few years years to create their debut album, upcoming plans, some amazing hilarious comedy, and so much more. And following my interview with Nomina, you'll be hearing the song Disconnected off the 2020 album 11th Hour. Hello! Hey. Hello! Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. Like, how are you? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you guys very much for taking time to do this interview. That's okay. Anytime. No trouble, but nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, again, uh, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to do this and being able to talk to this amazing debut album with 11th Hour, which is coming out next week through Frontiers Music. Uh, uh, being a fan of the original EP, I've been waiting for uh, the full length to be coming out, and it's so great to be able to see that it is actually coming out through such a great label and such great music attached to it, too. I really love what you guys did with this album thank you very much mate that's very kind of you yeah we, we uh, we're really glad to have been working with frontiers on this as well you know we, we've sort of been um working on this for quite a few years behind the scenes and we we, we we were really hopeful that we were onto something you know so for us to sort of get working with them and and have them and other people say yeah no we agree we've got something here so it was, it was really nice to have that support behind us and that's why we're here chatting to you today so whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so cool. So, you know, with, with all of that in mind, I mean, what was it like to be working on this debut album for so long and finally being able to get it out? How did you feel, Cameron? Uh, I mean, I was quite lucky in the way that when we recorded the album, I was able to fill my time with some other stuff. So it was nice to see people like Harrison doing amazing work behind the scenes, kind of getting it out and, 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 and pushing it to people and in turn getting it to frontiers in the end. Um, but so, so for me, it didn't feel that long, but um, at times, you know, I listen back to the album and I'm like, wow, you know, that was quite a few, quite a few years ago. We actually recorded that. So but it's amazing for people to get to listen to it now. And I'm excited to see what people think. Mm. I think for me, one of the like, um, most amazing things about it, you know, Cameron, Mo, Dan, Gaz, Ross, and I—we're we're all good friends as, as well as bandmates and whatnot. I mean, I don't particularly like Cameron, but I'll tolerate him for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we've uh, we, we've been uh, sort of sketching ideas for this album ever since Secondary Genesis came out, which is about four years ago now. So. Um, just the patience i think of everyone to like sort of you know like the the, the writing of the songs and and then sort of getting them into action getting into the studio putting it all together it took a long time so patience of everyone to just sort of sit there and go no i trust this is still happening and turn up when we needed them to and do their bits when we needed to that, that was like uh 
it's quite quite amazing really so it's nice to be able to work with a, a good bunch of guys you know mm. yeah and that truly does help and i love the background of everyone in the band too i mean such a great diversity amongst the entire band and then being able to come together and create music like this i mean it just it's so great to be able to hear i mean no matter how heavy it gets how proggy it gets how uh, melodic or mellow it gets i mean it just it all feels so natural and it's so great to see that i mean that's all down to Harrison's songwriting i mean he's a fantastic writer so which, which, I mean, you're not talking about me, surely. Is there another Harrison? Or maybe we've got a ghostwriter Harrison. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, the, the main thing is, is that everyone in the band, no exceptions, loves, like, a wide selection of music, you know, and it, we're, we're not all just metalheads or progheads. We all love that stuff, obviously. But, um, you know, like, Cameron's got loads of experience as, as like, a pop drummer on cruise ships and, and that sort of thing, and he plays with a band called Eva, who are, like, a kind of, would it be fair to say to call it, like, retro synth pop or something cam is that a fair 80s synth pop you know yeah so so like he's got like loads of pop kind of idiosyncrasies like that you know obviously moat's done stuff with slugs which like super heavy sludgy sound um gaz has done stuff with slice of cake so there's this whole like pool of sounds to draw on um and i think once we got secondary genesis out of the way that was when we were sort of really just starting off and finding our feet we sort of at that point knew who the members were going to be for the next album so when i was sort of starting out with the song ideas i could really write specifically for those members you know so i knew from day one we can definitely do some spoken word and some poetry stuff because there's really no one i personally you know i'm, I'm not biased but I don't think there's anyone in the genre that can do spoken word like Gareth can. So I thought it would be totally absurd not to put some of that in there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just that I think um, being surrounded by great people gives you the chance to get really creative and experimental with the songwriting. So I thought I'd take my time with it and try and do something a bit wacky. And hopefully we've done that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I truly appreciate about the album, too, is like uh, being able to have the influences of uh, being able to draw all the influences from the members of the band, but being able to forge an original sound that goes along with it, too. I mean, you know, the fact that you can have something that sounds almost like a mainstream rock song and also like finish off the album with an insane 15 minute epic. I mean, it's just like there's such a wide range that all flows together so well, being able to show off everyone in an amazing lights and yeah i mean the fact that you were able to pull that all together with everybody and being able to draw on those influences it's just so great to be able to see that outcome happen thank you man i mean that that really means a lot you know to to, to hear that is uh especially seeing how you know the album hasn't come out yet so speaking to people like yourself a little bit in advance that getting that sort of feedback that says oh oh, we didn't totally fuck up you know great we did we did something right (laughs) it's nice (laughs) but um i mean for me like it, it started because the you know i've always wanted to tell stories and sometimes uh you just gotta think like what's right for this story or what's right for this song and so the sort of subject matter that for example disconnected which is one of the shorter poppier songs um that subject matter i think wouldn't necessarily fit a a big epic or something but then something like the tyrant uh which has such like kind of destructive power behind it couldn't really be done at least not by me maybe by a much more talented writer but not by me couldn't be done without that kind of weight and gravitas you know so i think it's just about trying to with with the palette of sounds that you can that you have at your disposable uh, at your disposal what's what's the best way of telling the story that you want to tell and 
luckily we've got a lot of talented musicians in the band who are adept at different things and so it gives us those tools to try weird shit out (laughs) so with that in mind i mean obviously being able to have these amazing musicians to be able to uh, use those influences off of and being able to tell these amazing stories how do you go about actually writing the stories that go along with it i mean musically it's amazing but how do you come up with that lyrically to be able to show off that story you want to tell Oh, it's just a lot of acid, mate. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it's, I mean, f- first and foremost, like uh, everyone had their their sort of um, input on all of this. E- even if you know, for, for example, Ross wrote uh, a good chunk of the lyrics. Gareth wrote the majority of the poetry. Um, but even if someone's like actual words weren't part of the lyrics that made it into it, they were always part of the discussion that shaped it and. We, there was a long period of time when we were just sort of chatting, you know, just discussing ideas. And I, I'm a firm believer in daydreaming as like part of the creative process. Whenever I do anything creative, the first, anywhere between the first hour and the first six months of sort of just spent not putting any like pen on paper, it's just sort of the ideas just gestating, you know. Um, so there's that, just just sort of having the patience to let it grow. But um, I think. There were a couple of songs that kind of instigated the the theme before the theme was kind of totally um, finished. And there there were songs that came first. So like Sundance was one of the very first that I wrote a long time ago. And that was actually before the idea for the 11th hour came together. But I knew I wanted to include that song. And then bits of Prison Walls were, were sort of finished earlier on, as was 2259. And uh, once I sort of saw a pattern between those or sort of where they'd come from, it was clear to me what I thought the rest of the album was going to be about. And then it was just a case of sort of uh, exploring ideas. And, and, and the, the fundamental idea that connects all the songs is, is that different people can share different experiences about the same thing. And so I wanted to just try and imagine, you know, different people around the world all going through similar experiences how would they tell their story and so then you get things like if well if, if someone in cuba uh, was experiencing something they'd have a very different experience to someone in, in new york for example and so you you get the song that's set in cuba which is caught us on and uses uh, all of those latin american sounds so that was a very long winding answer to a fairly simple question i apologize <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not a problem. I mean, I love being able to hear that insight that's going into it. I mean, the the fact that there's so much thought that goes into it and being able to get everyone's input into it as well and just being able to forge the songs the way that they have. I mean, again, it just it sounds so natural when you do listen to the final product, but the fact that so much thought went into it is just so cool. Thank you, mate. I mean, you know, I could just be lying. Maybe I just paid a ghost work to do it. Guess it all. Was I? Just guessed it all. Just guessed everything. <laughs> yeah, just it was all an AI. I just went into like Google DeepMind and just went <laughs> just shout out this album. Um, but I mean, thank you, man. Like it's it's just the whole thing has been like a joy, really. So you know, I, I love telling stories. 
um, and music sort of the the kind of main way I've found to tell those stories. I think it just elevates things so well. Um, and so uh, there, there were a lot of like songs that came together very quickly. Sundance was a good example of those, but then there were other ones that took years and years. And sometimes they change direction halfway through. You know, I might have had quite a clear idea about what I wanted something to be. And then uh, anything from like a melody or a riff suggested by one of the guys, or it could have been like a thematic concept, you know, can completely steer it in a different direction. And I think as a songwriter, you have to be, or a songwriter who works collaboratively anyway, you have to be open to the possibility of that happening because sometimes you don't know what something's going to be until you're halfway there, you know. It's, it's, uh, like, like, like I remember <clears throat> years ago, like literally years ago, probably just after Secondary Genesis had been released, we were mm. sat in your bedroom, Harrison, uh, me, you and Mo, just kind of jamming along like a t- small drum kit and straight away that's where the verse for Indestructible came from. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. Was that just when we were doing one of the like covers gigs and we were just like took some time to do some of our stuff? Yeah, we just jammed and that ended up coming out. And then about, I'd say a year and a half later, you just went, guys, you know the thing that we wrote? I've gone really weird with it and then it was just the middle section with all the screaming and we were like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes it was that it was just the product of having fun with friends you know which um sounds like i'm advertising a daycare center but um (laughs) i'm talking about our prog metal records (laughs) (laughs) and you see i i love that the fact that you know you actually can be friends and be able to have just like a off the cuff uh jam sessions like that and it can lead to such a great song like that too i mean just the fact that it all came from a a little bedroom jam session that's so cool Yeah, yeah, and interestingly, I think Indestructible probably was one of the most collaborative ones. So it's interesting that that, that Cam brought it up um, because after that, we had the instrumental sort of primarily done for for a while, and then came the vocals later on. I think it was a rehearsal, maybe uh, a year, eighteen months ago, maybe even more. Uh, probably even more actually, um, where. The instrument was done we we're sitting down and uh, there was all of us including ross but maybe not gareth in the room and i just sort of gave ross a mic i had a mic there was another mic in the room and we were all just sort of like listening to it and then just recording random little melodies that came to our head so that we'd be listening to it and i'll just be like and then ross was like and it just kind of like grew from that and then um once we had the shape of it then i could take that information go back into my little hidey hole and, and sort of give it a bit more of a kind of consistent identity throughout and then give that back to the guys and then that's when Ross really sort of brought the lyrics to it and uh, so that was a really fun one it kind of happened really organically I think that one yeah and again it, it really shows off the diversity of the album once again I mean whether it's something that is uh, completely orchestrated or uh, just comes from a random session like that and all of it can flow together I mean you know it's just it really shows the mu- musical chemistry that's going on throughout the entire band I mean, whether they had their complete input into it, whether they were just playing on the album, whether they were just uh, doing off-the-cuff kind of little moments over uh, a particular rhythm or uh, melody. I mean, it's just like all of that combined together and then being able to form it together the way that it has, because it honestly sounds like it was an album that was just like forged together with all six of you in a room together being able to come up with these songs, but knowing that it came up in all these different ways is just incredible. Yeah, so some some of the songs are definitely more 
Harrison, like Harrison in his hidey hole, kind of just sat there like a little, you know, songwriting gremlin and just stacking away until he, uh, until he, you know, gets this, you know, gets the finished product. Uh, not finished product, but they're there or they're, you know, thereabouts. Whereas, like, as you say, Indestructible, that, you know, that came from just us in a room. Disconnected, that first guitar thing, that do beep and beep and beep, that was a warm-up Dan used to do. And I just yeah. went, I think it was me, I went, I really like that, what is that? And then Harrison went, I don't know, let's jam it. And we just started playing stuff around it, you know. Mm, yeah, and it went in a, that's another example of where it like, went in a totally com- different uh, direction. Because the way Dan visualised it, I think he visualised it as a kind of King Crimson-y sounding, uh, like, liminal thing where it just sort of the timings in, in you know non the scripts so or it was like and had all these weird accents and then me and Cam just sort of looked at it and we were both like no it's in four it was just like I was like brilliant okay it's two chords we've written a pop song who are we Coldplay whatever let's go make some money um, and then <laughs> that was Dan's that was Dan's warm up before we nicked it that was his warm up like to get hands working so now now he has to come up with a different warm up so that so he can easily play that on stage yeah I mean or he can just quit the band <laughs> we, we can hug we can hope yeah we can hope <laughs> and, and you know and speaking of that as well I mean it's awesome to see that uh, coming up that you guys are going to be having a, a show to be able to represent this album and it looks like it's just a, a completely stacked bill that you got opening for you guys I mean it just sounds like it's going to be an incredible night yeah man I mean they're all going to blow us off the stage and we're probably just going to not play because you know why would you shit on the end of a great night like that but um <laughs> no, we're, we're really lucky, mate. We're like we're very fortunate because the the four bands that we're playing with are great, but they're also like all friends of ours. You know, we all kind of grew up in the same scene in the UK. Um, like Shattered Skies, uh, I think I saw them play about like 2014 or something. Jahan from Tiberius have known forever, and obviously the ILO guys we work closely with, so they're they're all awesome. So if there is anyone listening or reading who is sort of London or UK based, especially, then come down. It's going to be on the 3rd of April in London and that uh, should be really fun. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's just, I love that it's happening too. You know, uh, even though it is a, a little bit off from when the album is coming out, I think that's enough time for people to really digest the album when they haven't had the chance to be able to check it out like I have. And obviously with uh, you guys being able to record it and rehearse uh, the songs, you know, I, th- I think a month's time roughly is a good amount of time for people to really start to appreciate these songs and want to be able to hear them live. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to say that that was a, a really deep thought process. We were thinking about, you know, oh, what's the, what's our relationship with the audience? But honestly, it's just because Ross is on tour in the States, and that's when he gets back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and that totally makes sense. And uh, actually, Ross is uh, coming uh, by me uh, in a couple weeks, uh, part uh, part of the touring that he's doing, too. And, you know, it's, just, it's so cool to see that... Uh, you guys are still able to do everything else that you're doing as well. And then being able to help promote this as well too. I mean, I love the fact that uh, there is enough time between everybody to be able to go out and play shows and give this the proper promotion it deserves. Yeah. I think this is quite important for everyone. I mean, we put gears of our life and loads of money and blood and sweat and tears and arguments and everything 
and even more fluids into this thing. So, <laughs> so, so to to be able to kind of finally be at the position where, and as I said, with Frontiers as well, like they they've been fantastic. Um, you know, to really push it out, then you know it makes sense to 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 put time to it and 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 find time that we can really give it our all. Yeah, and you know that's another great thing that I really do uh, appreciate with uh, Frontiers being able to take a chance on you guys is it, it's because uh, when you look at Frontiers, Frontiers label. I mean, they have so many legacy acts and so many uh, bands that have been like staples of music for decades upon decades or brand new projects from those uh, musicians that have been around for decades on end. I mean, the fact that this is a, a debut album, uh, you know, from the, the last EP, which uh, came out a few years back, but, you know, it's like a relatively new band being able to show that off in this great light amongst all these amazing bands that are also on the label. I love they're taking a chance on a newer act and being able to show that great progressive rock and progressive metal is still going on to this day. Well, as a, as a, as a drummer, it, it makes me very, very happy to know that I'm on the same label as Toto because Jeff Beccaro is like my absolute number one. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that was just mad for me but to see. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm labeled mate to Toto. That's just really odd. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they've, they've, it's it's been a cool experience, man. And I, I think you rightly you, you pointed out that um, a lot of what people associate with Frontiers is the kind of classic rock and the AOR sort of uh, library that they have, uh, which is great. Um, but they have been sort of trying to, you know, look into what's happening now and what's new. And I think we're just quite lucky to be uh, sort of picked up and, and working with them on that kind of premise and uh hopefully they they get the chance to do that with some other bands as well and uh i, I know they already are uh, and i've got some other great stuff going on but if they keep doing that then it could be really great for some for some younger bands but you know we're, we're, we're glad that they saw something in us um obviously they're completely delirious because uh, we're terrible but, you know. <laughs> they got us in just to make every other band ever look much better yeah that's it yeah we're probably there for you know to compare and contrast <laughs> they're like here's Novena oh god but now look at everything else you know now it's really shy <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great uh, and, and you know thinking about that as well too you know like you know, uh, being able to be a part of Frontiers, uh, being able to do a, a great show coming up in April. An another great representation of the band is the album artwork. I love the colors that's being used on this thing and being able to really show off that uh, 2259 that's going on there. I mean, uh, when you're putting it together, like, how did you come up with the idea of, like, a, the type of clock to use and the type of colors to be able to use for the album? Uh, I mean, we so we worked really closely with a guy called Simon Atkinson, who uh, is just a absolutely fantastic digital artist. So, we, we, you know, again, we've been blessed with just having cool people around us. So shout out to Simon for all his hard work. Um, he and I basically, the way it kind of worked is that like we as a band would chat privately about our ideas and we'd kind of come up with ideas of, of how things should should look but we're, we're, when we're having those conversations it's never really concrete you know we're not saying it should be blue and it should be this big we're saying oh maybe something that evoked this and maybe it could use this image and then what i'll do is i'll try and like collate everyone's ideas into something uh, so, so, sort of a more single idea and then share that with uh, whatever expert we're working with at the time in, in this 
instance, it's Simon. And uh, then I think the best thing you can do is really to put trust in them. You know, they know their craft better than you do. So to just say, here are our, our, sorry, here are our ideas, and this is why we want it to say a certain thing, uh, and what does it inspire within you? And so uh, Simon quickly came back with sort of four or five options that would sort of represented the, what the general aesthetic would look like for the album. Um, and we kind of picked between them and then we just sort of sent ideas back and forth, you know, oh, what if we change this? What if we change that? But it was always more about giving him, you know, this is what it should make people feel. This is what the story's about. This is, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, but then letting him choose, oh, how do I represent that through, through my art form, you know? So, um, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love the artwork that he came up with. Us. I, I, I can't praise his work enough and I'm really looking forward to what people think of the full uh, CD because we, we commissioned Simon to create the artwork for the entire album uh, and each song on the album has its own corresponding artwork uh, so it's not just that front cover everything every song has its own piece of art with it and uh, he put a lot of time and a lot of care and love into it so really excited to see what people think about that oh and that's got me that excited to be, to be able to pick up the album on friday or next friday to be able to check that out too because when i look at the album cover and just like look at all the little details that's going on there from all the different symbols all the little scratches around the clock i mean just like everything just like looks so perfect as a great representation of that i can't wait to be able to check out the rest of the artwork and see how great that comes off as well as someone who i'll be honest i i i didn't really uh mind too much i was i wasn't i wasn't um i was kind of like whatever artwork ends up it's fine like i'm not that interested in it but when harrison sent me back the photos of what simon did it absolutely blew me away and um, I, I want to show people the artwork after not really caring. It's like, no, look at this. Look how good this looks. <laughs> I think it's quite amazing to be able to say that about something that's literally just a fucking clock. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's like, guys, look at this amazing image. Oh, you're showing me a, a, a clock, okay? <laughs> but but no, it's this. It's so cool. It's it's like the best clock. <laughs> that's what it is. It's the best clock. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the whole thing was a really fun process, um, and I think we're just—it's—it's it's really nice because I, I'm a f- firm believer that, like, with with any artistic um, endeavor, every element should be exploited. You know, like you can't—I mean, you can—and it's valid as well. And like, I, I totally get it when people say, like, "Oh, music is like 100%. That's all that matters." I respect that. But personally, I think if you're if you're presenting an album to the public or to anyone, it's not just the music, you know, because people consume the music via something else, even if it's just the logo of whatever they see on Spotify or, or Apple Music or, you know, or whether they pick up the CD or they go to see the show. You've got visual media there. You've got, other, you know, multi-sensory media and stuff. So it's like, why not extend um whatever inspires and motivates the art on a musical level to every other element. Cameron will disagree with me because Cameron doesn't believe art exists. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Harrison, I was actually about to say, I I used to believe that. I completely utterly used to believe that music was music. Music was only music and that was all that was important. But it was when I saw 
Simon's artwork is when that completely changed my mind. Oh, yeah, well. complete, just a, a complete 180, and now I think that artwork is unbelievably important, and it was seeing Simon's artwork that did it, so. There you go. Okay. If anyone uh, wants to use him, by the way, his name is Simon Atkinson. Search him up. He, he, he uh, will do you right. Oh, that that is amazing praise to be able to be able to hear that too i mean the fact that his artwork was able to be able to uh influence uh, you so much cameron to be able to actually start to appreciate artwork like that i mean it really shows a lot of what can be done through that visual art form and kind of like what you said too i mean it is just a clock but the more that you look at it the more that you see all the little details that's going into it i mean it's just jaw-dropping everything that went into it and it's so cool to be able to see that as the album artwork yeah uh, so did a great job yeah man it's nice it's, it's, it ties into that whole idea of as well like I, I remember growing up listening to like records especially things like um scenes from a memory or you know any, any kind of like linear uh or concept album that has law behind it and i loved that whole experience of listening to it for the first time and thinking oh that was cool listening to it the second time and then going, oh, I just noticed something there and then listening to it for the 437th time and having like a chalkboard behind me with post-it notes and having drunk 15 coffees and I'm only wearing underwear and going, we have Nicholas, you know, and, <laughs> and like trying to ascribe meaning to everything. Pepe uh, But what was that, mate? Pepe Sylvia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh Is that an Always Sunny reference? An Always Sunny reference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that show, man. Um, but yeah, so just being able to like sort of put those little details into the artwork, and you know, it's, you know, some people might just look at it and think, "Oh, that's pretty, uh, and that's great, that's fine." But then you might get some people that go, "Oh, cool! I like like you've said, you know, I, I like those little details. I wonder what they mean." And then it just opens up the possibility for a new way of connecting with the music, you know. So it's. Uh, it's nice, I think, to put some effort into that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And in all forms, I mean, I'm so happy to see this album come out the way that it has. And, I mean, you know, obviously, musically, it's it's something that I just love and appreciate, the fact that it did come out the way that it has. But, uh, you know, through the visual art forms, like through the artwork, uh, the upcoming artwork that uh, everyone will be able to check out on Friday through Frontiers Music, and uh, the music videos that you got uh, going on, which are just so cool to be able to check those out. And, of course, uh, the live show as well, too, being able to uh, hear the music in that live setting and seeing how it translates from the album to that live setting. There's so much going on in your world right now, and being able to promote an album like Eleventh Hour, like you guys are, it's just it's so great to be able to see all the detail and love that went into this album, and how much fun that you're actually having with it too. I mean, uh, being able to hear your voices, being able to uh, hear you joke around with it, and being able to have fun with it, and just knowing that it's something that you can be proud of. It's just it's awesome to see that and from a fan perspective i appreciate you guys so much for putting all of this into this album oh, it's really cool of you to say mate thank you thank you very much it's like you know at the end of the day you you write these songs because it's fun and you hope that one day somebody might like it uh, and, and to to you know start hearing people now saying that they get it and that they you know they want to listen to it again that's like just the coolest feeling in the world so it means a lot for you to say that so thank you 
Yeah, thank you. Oh, absolutely no problem. And I think with that, that's a perfect note to end on. And I thank you guys once again for being able to uh, take this time to be able to talk to me and, of course, uh, promote the debut album, 11th Hour, coming up next Friday, the, the 6th of March, through Frontiers Music. This was an absolutely great time being able to talk to both of you, being able to joke around, being able to talk about all these great details that's going into the music and everything around it. And, yeah, I, again, I just thank you both very much for taking the time to be able to talk to me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's our pleasure, buddy. Our pleasure. So thank you for giving us a call. Yeah, thank you.
And welcome back to the show, you just got done here, Novena with Disconnected, off the 2020 album, 11th Hour, which just came out this past Friday on Frontiers Music. And before that was my interview with Cameron and Spence of Novena. Coming up now, we're going to be going from UK-based progressive rock, progressive metal, to Brazilian symphonic gothic metal with the band Sublante to talk about their brand new album, Obscura which also just came out this past Friday through Frontiers Music. In this interview, I talked to Sergio Mazul and Juliano Ribeiro to talk about everything you need to know about what's been going on with the band since their last album, their comic book that they're actually basing the Legacy of Blood Saga on, potential plans to hit the US for touring, and so much more. And following my interview with Sergio and Juliano of Sublante, I'll be playing the song Murder of Crows off the 2020 album Obscura. Hello, Josh. Hi. Can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. How's it going? Everything good, and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. Uh, thank you very much for taking time to do this interview. Oh, we appreciate it, man. Let's do it. Oh, not a problem. And uh, it's awesome to be able to talk to you, uh, especially right now with uh, the brand new album uh, Obscure just coming out in just a few days now from Frontiers Music. I've gotten the chance to be able to check out this album, and I love it from start to finish. I just I love all the directions that it can go into, and it just sounds so cohesive together. It just flows together like a natural album, and it's great to hear that in 2020. No, we it definitely feels good. Hearing you tell us that. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. Especially with your picture here with a cap of Edge of Sanity. That's right. <laughs> Amazing, man. I love this band. <laughs> oh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, so, oh, with that in mind, I mean, uh, with, with the album coming out on Friday through Frontiers, I mean, how does it feel to finally have this album coming out? Oh, it's amazing because we... We take a lot of time to create this album, to form this album. Uh, actually, uh, we spent four years between Lunar Manifesto, our latest album, no? uh, and Obscura. So we lived a lot of experiences, uh, uh, lineup changes, a lot of uh, problems and obscure times on our personal lives. And with the music business too. We have two tours on the US canceled uh on this period a lot of frustrations but i think it's all positive now we are ha we actually have the album what do you think yeah it's friends it's a big satisfaction you know because it really demanded a lot from us to complete this record and to to create it so seeing that you know it is finally going to be released in two days is kind of crazy you know yeah, yeah, really. It's for me. It's a really big satisfaction. I can't wait to see what how people will react to the to the album. Oh yeah, same thing uh, here as well. Because if I'm enjoying it as much as I am, I hope uh, others are gonna enjoy it as much as I do too. Because I think this just uh, encompasses so much of what I love about the band. Uh, just like so many different territories that are being discovered. On, on this album, yet it flows together so well. I mean, I love that it can be diverse yet cohesive. Yeah, that that's always what we're striving for, you know? <laughs> Trying to bring new elements and diversity to our songs, but at the same time, it's still semblant, you know? Yeah, keep our identity, because, uh, of course, this album is more introspective than Lunar Manifesto. It reflects a lot our, uh, our universe within, but of course, we, we kept our identity on a lot of tracks. You listen to our melodic death metal, 
thing, but of course you listen or introspective gothic and doom thing too yeah yeah and it's so great to hear that as well too and you know it's yeah it's just a great combination that uh, continues to flow throughout the band so when that was in mind i mean obviously with this album being a lot more introspective and a, a lot more personal i mean what was it like to start creating this album you know it was really really complicated because when we, we really started focusing on writing the record, it was right about around that time that one of our guitar players left the band and we had to adapt, you know, again, because, you know, he was uh, uh, one of the songwriters for the band. So we, we really had to, to insert everybody on the songwriting process, you know, involve everybody to make it cohesive, you know, to, to not be just one vision deciding where we're going, you know? So it kind of took a bit of time for everybody to get on the same page and to really focus on making it. So it wasn't easy. Of course not. It wasn't <laughs> easy at Definitely. all. Definitely. But I think it paid off, you know? I think in the end it, it brought us closer together and uh, I can't wait to see what we can come up for the next record, you know, after that. Because I think... I think the process is really working, worked really well in this record, so I think we can develop it even more for the future. Yeah, and that's totally what I hear with this album, too. I mean, to me, it felt like it was more of a collaborative effort, and I'm glad to hear that actually was the case where uh, the entire band was able to contribute to the album and help with the songwriting, and that, yeah, I... I can absolutely imagine, I mean, going through something like that and, of course, you know, hard times that uh, go along with uh, band life in general, let alone uh, losing members, uh, life in general these days. You know, the fact that an album this dark was able to come out, I imagine it just had to be such a great feeling to be able to get all these feelings out there. And much like you said, uh, very excited to see what's going to be happening in the future now that you know that you can make an album like this with the entire band. Yeah, in, 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 in not only with the entire band but during those times you know during all those chaos all the chaos that was around us yeah and we rebuilt our energy between us because uh we never felt ourselves so connected as now and frontiers records have a great 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 thing on 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 this page and on this feeling because frontiers gave us a lot of support and they gave us a lot of expectations about the next releases. We are on a moody, moody album uh, deal with them. So, of course, you can expect a lot of great results for the next album. And, yeah, and it's so cool to see that as well, you know, with uh, a major label like Frontiers being able to back you, loving what you do, and uh, loving the final product here. I'm excited to see what's going to continue on with that relationship. Yeah, that we are also really excited about that. You know, the, their support has been really important, especially especially after the album was done. You know, and we the album that was completed, and when we saw the reaction and how how positive they were and how excited they were, and that that was really important because at the same time that that we had the new album and we were proud of it, we also know that it is really different from from lunar manifesto you know so we you know it was hard to predict how how that reaction would be i think this kind of thinking it, it, it is a musician thing because we create 
we created the songs, we created all the identity of this album, and it's hard for us think what people uh, really will, will, will find uh, about we, we, we created. Uh, your opinion now is, is, is an amazing feedback. We are really uh, don't pay so attention for the reviews until now. We're trying to wait for the album release, for, for, for the album's official release to start to read and listen to the opinion of everyone but your opinion was amazing man the best one the, the best one on one of the first what do you think juliano one of the first opinions we catch right yeah. right oh wow i i mean that means a lot to me that it it matters so much to you and you like that uh feedback that i gave to it because i absolutely feel that way about this album i mean yeah the more that i do listen to it the more that i'm able to hear that introspection that's going on there and it is a very dark album in comparison to previous work but it it feels like the appropriate album to put out in 2020 for so many different reasons like that because a lot of people are going through dark times right now uh that beat it in music being in the state of the world there's so many different things that are going on and there's so many songs that people would be able to relate to when they get to sit down and listen to these songs no that's that's awesome. so good to hear man awesome. <laughs> thank you very much that's awesome amazing words make my day <laughs> um, i'm glad to hear that so you know with that in mind i mean with uh, the, the lyrics, uh, you know, being so dark and introspective and, you know, obviously being able to come out the other side feeling like it was such a great cathartic experience to get all these emotions out there. What was it like to actually start penning the words to this album and seeing how it fit together with the music? You know, <laughs> I think it was a relief, you know, <laughs> because it was, you know, it was the way we had to get rid of some of those emotions, you know, all those, all those traumas and things like that, that we, we felt during the last four years, last four years, you know, so it was really good. It felt good, you know, letting it out a lot somehow. And, uh, I think that's what matters, you know, the yeah. fact that we can could, could really make something that feels good right now. Even though it came, you know, some some of the songs are really dark, you know, you know, represent really dark times for us. One of the greater things that makes an artist is uh, reflects on his art, what what he's really feeling or or, or, or living. So uh, I think we 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 reached our goal with with Obscura. Oh, and it's it's great to hear that as well too. I mean, uh, especially with an album like this, when you you do have everything that you're looking for in mind and being able to achieve the goals with the record that you wanted to make. I mean, that especially with how personal this is, it's it's great to hear that all of that was achieved the way that you wanted it to, considering the subject matter. Yeah, even the 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 fantasies uh, uh, on some of our lyrics. Uh, for an example, Valakia. Wallachia is based, of course, on, on Bram Stoker's Dracula, and not only in the movie, not only in the book, but also on, in, in all all the influence this great legend uh, brought to to the art, and uh, make a tribute for this great history was a, a safe house, a, a, a escape plan for our bad period, for obsc obscure period. My way to reflect uh, the, 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 how can I say it, 
the, the, the hard feelings is escape from the reality and reflect something more imaginative. Yeah, and I, I saw that as well, too. And, you know, it's it's great to be able to have an, an album like this, where, again, where there is a lot of personal and dark matters that are going on there, where you can have something uh, that reflects uh, the imaginative like that with, with Dracula as an inspiration for that particular song because it, it fits together so well. I mean, the music just matches up with the, the lyrics so well and just is able to tell that story in such a great way. Nice, thanks, thanks, man. Really. Oh, absolutely. So you know, also with that in mind, I mean, obviously, uh, with uh, uh, the previous albums, there is the Legacy of Bl- Blood Saga that has been uh, going on, and it's great to see that Part Four and Part Five are continuing on throughout this album. Was that intentional to get the next two parts of that going, or did that just come out through the songwriting? Uh, well, I've, I've been writing since our first album, uh, huge story uh, a fiction uh we've uh, of course we've uh we've a script based on uh, post-apocalyptic vision of vampires confronting humans uh, emerging from the underworld and reaching the top of the chain so um i built with a friend of mine uh, named uh, Andre Meister, who's a, a famous illustrator for RPGs and comic books. A huge comic book saga. We have uh, on March a great release too for Semblant Blood Chronicles. Uh, the first edition of our own comic book saga is a graphic novel with a lot of blood, with a lot of adventure, with a lot of uh, f- amazing characters. Uh, interacting with each other uh, with different point of views on a devastated world uh, characters totally unusual (laughs) and I think it's an amazing script we made the first release the the pre-release on the Comic-Con on the Brazilian Comic-Con and was a huge success and the publishing agency that will release it in Brazil and South America for the first time of course, is a publishing agency called Darkside Books. They are the responsibles for the releases in Brazil and South America of pieces from Stephen King, Clive Barker, uh, classical and and historical books like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, and a lot of other ones. So it's a great honor for us to bring to life uh, a a comic book, really. (laughs) And and the part four and part five of Legacy of Blood are based now, you know, actually they were inspiration for the comic books. Yeah, they they were a great inspiration uh, to conceive this comic book. The part four and part five, uh, particularly, particularly, uh, in particular, they are uh, ex- essential for for the conce- conceived of the comic book. Oh, that is just simply incredible. I I love the fact that it actually got turned into a comic book, and yeah, I'm just imagining it now and just like uh, having the visions of how the story goes along and being able to actually see uh, the graphics in comic book form actually going along with that. And I I love the fact that it's actually uh, graphic in nature as well too. You know, just like uh, actually being able to show every everything that is going on within the storylines that's just amazing yeah <laughs> we're extremely happy about it really oh incredible 
So, uh, along with that as well, I mean, obviously with uh, being able to continue on with that as well, and uh, now being a part of Frontiers, obviously with uh, being able to uh, hit more of a market with Frontiers, uh, being able to choose singles uh, off the new album uh, can be a challenge. So, what was it like to be able to uh, pick out the songs uh, ahead of time that people could be able to check out? <laughs> that that was actually, that's one of the hardest parts, you know? <laughs> Because we all have different visions of what it's the better choice and things like that, you know? I think, actually, you know, both Mew Shadow and Murder of Crows really work as really good singles. And uh, we had visions from other songs as well. Yeah, a lot of other songs. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was a big, big argument between all of us because it's, it was really hard. You know, especially for the first one, you know, it was really hard to decide between Mere Shadow and Murder of Crows. You know, I, I always thought that Murder of Crows was the perfect first single and we definitely need to put it out first. But I was convinced <laughs> <laughs> to put Mere Shadow first. I think our decision is based on, damn, we have four great singles and each one of these songs could be an amazing first single. So let's make all these tracks singles. <laughs> Why not? Uh, and we'll release uh, one video after another. Now, uh, well, we're preparing the release of a third video. That's the big news. And on a few weeks, or maybe on a few days, you will have the chance to check uh, another song that we consider uh, a, a different single than the other two. Oh, I, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that too. I mean, the, the, the album feels like there are so many great choices to uh, make as singles and other ones that fit together so well together in, in the full album. So I'm glad to see that there was so many choices and possibilities to release as singles and then actually being able to, to release four of them as full videos. Yeah, the, the fourth is too... Uh, yeah. We're not really sure if it's definitely going to happen. We were speaking uh, with the record label about the, the, the fourth, but... Um, the third is a reality. The third is a reality. <laughs> the, the, the fourth... Uh, I have faith. I have faith. The, the, the fourth will become a reality too. We will become reality too. Yeah, especially because the fourth single is probably... Mm. It's a it's a really good single. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like a single uh, since the, the the first time you listen to it, and uh, I think the the record label will think the same. Will agree with us, <laughs> and they will listen to this interview and agree much more. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm definitely behind that notion as well too because I love both videos that have been released for this album cycle so far, and uh, the fact that the third is a reality as well. I'm really pushing for that fourth one as well too because I'd love to see how four all four singles really interpret uh, visually what's going on with the album. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's definitely something that we we're working for. And, and actually, speaking about the videos, it was really nice because this time. We had a collaboration with uh, a really renowned director here from Brazil, which is Caio Cobra. You know, he did the Murder of Crows video, and he also did the next one. And you know, he he's a really big deal in in the Brazilian industry. So it re- in a in a big fan of the band as well, which was really nice to hear and nice to. Yeah, he made a movie 
2019 with uh, a lot of famous actors in Brazil and Mizuho recorded uh, one of the songs for the movie soundtrack but it's not metal definitely it's a different thing and other featureings on the soundtrack was Elise from Amaranth and uh, from Amaranth and uh, Derek, Green. Derek Green from Sepultura so uh, he's a great metal fan but at the same time a great movie director and, and a great movies enthusiast these movies focused on uh, Netflix worldwide Netflix but he's doing uh, movies focusing on uh, Brazilian Netflix and other projects with, uh, uh, with streaming with the streaming industry. He's a great guy and he's responsible for, as Juliano said, uh, Murder of Cross and our next video. Uh, that That is simply incredible. I, I love the fact that you were able to do a, a collaboration like that and you were able to get him to be able to uh, work with these videos as well, too. I mean, uh, with, with the one that he's done so far, I love the way that turned out. And with the next one, I'm, I'm just excited to see where that's going to go. Yeah, we're really excited about that too. You know, it's in uh, it's super super nice too because you know he's a big fan of the band. So despite you know these touches that he has in in the Brazilian industry, he really wanted to work with us, which is all we're striving for right now. You know, we want to work with people that really care about our music and really feel the same as we do and he definitely is one of them oh that's so great to hear that and you know then with that in mind as well too i mean obviously with the album coming out in two days through frontiers music and uh hopefully more uh, video releases at least one more but hopefully two more to go along with that uh upcoming touring as well too i'm glad to see uh that you guys are going to be uh going out on tour next month and really being able to promote this album in a great way yeah that that was definitely you know the biggest step for us i think that what we missed with the last album cycle was definitely touring you know we, we never managed to really tour that record and in with obscura it is is the first step uh we we, we had two uh tours canceled on the us with obscura, with lunar manifesto and it became a great frustration for us because we we built uh, the album thinking about uh, a tour in Europe for the first time, a tour on, on the US for the first time, uh, maybe on Asia, but now finally we have this thing on the trail. Uh, we, we finally have uh, 18 concerts on 11 countries in Europe and we are negotiating a, 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 a tour on the US on the present moment. We are speaking about with a great agent over there and we hope to make it real finally yeah the us is really important for us and we we can't wait to 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 finally be able to meet our fans there and everything like that Oh, and I really hope that happens, too. I mean, uh, uh, being here in the U.S., I mean, I would love to see you actually make it here for the first time and being able to uh, meet the U.S. fans, being able to explore this country and being able to play here for the first time. I mean, that would just be incredible. Yeah, you know, for us, it's, it's, uh, it's really important that it finally happens because, you know, the U.S. is our biggest audience, you know, everywhere. 
and, and it's our biggest audience by a large margin to the other countries, you know. So we really wanted that to happen. It's, I think it's, it's the main objective for the Obscura cycle. And I feel that this time it will finally happen. I can wait for it to happen. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited to hear that as well, too. I mean, when I finally see the news that everything's confirmed, uh, whoever you tour with, uh, however you come over here, I mean, I'm so excited to see that actually come to fruition because this album deserves that kind of tour promotion. And I'm so glad to see that Obscura is getting uh, ev- the love that it deserves. I mean, uh, uh, from a review like mine, being able to personally tell you how I feel about the album to what everyone's going to be saying in a couple days uh, when it's officially released, uh, the singles that have been released, and of course in the live setting as well too, and just uh, waiting to see how the songs turn out in that live setting because if it's this good on record, I just imagine it's going to sound unbelievable in the live setting. That's the idea. (laughs) That's the idea. Uh, You can expect a lot of truth uh, of our live presentations. Oh, just incredible. So, you know, with that in mind, I mean, obviously wanting to uh, promote the new album and, and everything like that, I mean, how hard is the preparation to decide a set list to be able to uh, practice that down and get ready for the tour in Europe? You know, for this tour, it was actually not that difficult to build the, the set list because for us, it's like we're promoting two records. You know, we have to promote Lunar Manifesto and we have to promote Obscura. So we have the main singles from the first album, the main singles for the for the new album, and you have maybe the the, the half of a full set. <laughs> yeah, and you have half 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 of the set. So in in other thing that we had to have in mind to pick the set list was actually. You know, we're we went from a two guitar two guitar players band to a one guitar player band, so we had to adapt some things. But everything was working, so that's all that matters. Working very well. Oh yeah, and I, I wanted to ask about that too because you know uh, th- that can be a, a big change, obviously, uh, going from two guitars to one. But uh, how did that start feeling once you started rehearsing the songs and being able to uh, translate that? You know, it was kind of weird in the beginning because you know to it's funny because you know i recorded all the guitars for obscura but i i recorded it thinking about two guitar players you know so it's it was harder to translate the songs from obscura to a one guitar player deal than the songs from the the uh, from lunar manifesto which actually had two guitar players so but it, it it is working and especially because we had to you know involve our bass player and our keyboard keyboard player especially to make it as cohesive as possible in that scenario and it's it really did work which is great Oh, that, that is just so great to hear that. I mean, I, you know, obviously with a lot of ups and downs that can happen with being in a band and over the last few years with the band, I'm so happy to see everything is turning out the way that it should with an amazing new album like Obscura, being able to be on Frontiers record, uh, an amazing European tour coming up next month and everything that's to come in the future. I'm so excited to see where the band's going to continue on from here. And I thank both of you so very much for taking this time to be able to talk to me. It was an absolute honor to be able to talk to you and help promote you guys over here in the States and just being able to see what's going on in your worlds right now. Thank you very much for for talking to us today. It, it really meant a lot for us. We, we you know, especially because of how much you enjoy the record. And we can't wait to, to 
talk more with you later in the future. Yeah, really, man. Thank, thanks for everything. Uh, we hope to see you on our US tour. We hope to do it as soon as possible, uh, especially uh, still in 2020. And we really, we are really glad with your impressions about the album because uh, we have the same feeling, the same amazing feeling about it. Thanks a lot.
welcome back to the show. You just got done here at Savant with Murder of Crows off the 2020 album Obscura, which just came out this past Friday through Frontiers Music. And before that was my interview with Sergio and Uliano of the band Sablant. Coming up now, almost taking us to the very end of the show, is my third and final interview for the show this week with Kings of Dust to talk about the self-titled album coming out this Friday. In this interview, I talked to Greg Chassian, Jimmy Taft, and later in the interview, Michael Thomas Speck of Kings of Dust to talk about everything about this self-titled debut, to make a real, authentic album, upcoming plans, and so much more. And following my interview with Kings of Dust, I'll be playing the song Like an Ocean, the first track of the 2020 album Kings of Dust. Hey Josh! Hi, how's it going? It's going great, how you doing? I'm doing great, uh, thank you very much for taking time to do this interview. Awesome, yeah, well thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for helping us promote this thing. Yeah, and I'm so glad to be able to do it, too. I mean, with such an amazing band to be able to come out like this with Kings of Dust, and, uh, of course, uh, the new album just coming out next Friday already. I mean, it's so awesome to be able to help promote this thing. Well, I'm sitting here with uh, my drummer, Jimmy Taft. Hey, Josh, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining in. You bet. bet. And I think Michael Beck might even show up here at some point, but... Uh, you know, I, I figure people are sick of hearing what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's quite all right. And again, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to be able to do this. Uh, yeah, uh, again, being able to talk about Kings of Dust here with uh, the new album coming out uh, next Friday. I've been able to check out this album over the last couple weeks, and I just love what's going on with this album. I mean, with such an affinity for uh, the style of music, it's so great to be able to, be able to hear this again in 2020 with a, a great modern feel to it, and it just it hits right at home and exactly what I was looking for in 2020. Well, we're trying to do something that's near and dear to our to our hearts, so, I mean, the stuff that we write is the kind of stuff that we like, and the, the highest compliment I could say about what I think of the record is I'd buy it even if I wasn't on it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that that's a great feeling as well, too. I mean, when you're able to uh, step aside from what you've created, and you're able to listen back to it, and just know that it's good music, and, you know, being able to take yourself out of the equation and know that it's good music, that that is a great sign. Yeah, I, it came out pretty much the way we had hoped i mean it's not a perfect record by any means because who actually makes one unless it's you know mutt lang spending several million dollars making a Def leopard record but um you know we spent a lot of time getting it exactly the way we wanted it i spent quite a bit of time getting the exact players that i wanted um, because the this is you know the band's been going on on and off for about seven years and uh originally it didn't start with you know jimmy on drums and ryan on guitar so it took me a while to find the right guys and i finally did and and uh it's uh it's a pretty good time oh and i'm i'm glad to see that that it did take take the directions that it needed to to be able to uh, make the album come out the way that it has. Of course, there was a lot of uh, ups and downs during that time as well, too, but I'm glad to see that the ups did come out, and this album did actually make it to fruition. Yeah, well, there was a couple years there after I got done with my cancer treatment that um, I just didn't have the energy, and to be quite frank, the interest in doing it. I was more uh, in tune with just trying to get my life together, and so, you know, Jimmy and and Ryan and, and Michael were very patient and said, yeah, when you're ready. But they kept saying, are you ready yet? And I kept saying, well, not yet. Well, let us know. Are you ready yet? <laughs> and then finally, uh, after about three years after my cancer treatment was done, 
I called them up and I said, yeah, I'm ready. So we just got right back into it and picked up like, like we had never stopped. It was right where we left off. So the transition was very smooth. The upside of that is that um, over the course of that time, um, we got to really focus on how we wanted to do it, exactly what we wanted to do, exactly what we wanted to say. So it's a very fair, honest document of where we were at when we did that. I mean, some of those songs have been written as long ago as seven years ago, and some of them were written a couple of weeks before we went in the studio. So um, it's a it, and it covers a, a wide spectrum of, of uh, what we like while maintaining that 70s, early 80s sort of vibe at the same time. Oh, and it's it's so great to hear that too because I never would have guessed that there was uh, any time lost between the beginning of writing the songs and uh, going into the studio to be able to record the album. I mean, all of it flows together so well that it, it feels like everyone was just sitting there together writing these songs right before it went into the studio. Well, <laughs> it's when you get a group of guys like we have together, uh, you can feel it um, and it, it just all came together. Um, again, this this uh, this this sound that we've put together. Um, I don't know that we we set out to say, all right, we're going to sound like this. It's pretty organic. Um, this is the stuff we grew up listening to. This type of music, so it comes very natural to us. And and when it came down to uh, getting busy and writing, um, that timeline uh, really wasn't a factor. Um, it just it just felt real natural and, and came to us pretty uh, pretty well. The, the transition is is pretty seamless over the course of the time that this thing started and a couple of songs like like an ocean and ugly and and wolves and a few other ones were written uh when the project first got together by uh, the original guitar player Mike Petruno and myself and the songs were good and even though he dropped out we decided to keep it going but um, writing the new songs uh, regardless of you know a lot of those ideas come from my warp mind but once I bring it in there what Jimmy and Ryan and Michael add to it is what makes it into a song their parts and that even on the original songs that we wrote like Ocean and Ugly uh, Ryan and, and Jimmy were that's their ideas as far as the way the rhythm section is structured the way the drums are played the way the guitars are played the way the guitar solos are done that's I might bring in the basic idea of the song but it takes all four of us to kind of make it actually turn into what it eventually turns into and like I said some of those songs are written you know Mama or uh, uh, Reflection Devil um, are written literally two weeks at a week to two weeks before we went in the studio so it really covers again that broad spectrum of this is what we, this is where we're at seven years ago and this is where we're at now and it just shows how honest of a record that it is because it sounds like you said that, and that's a compliment to us and i appreciate that that it sounds like we wrote it all at the same time and that means a lot to me because it tells me that we're right where we need to be and oddly enough, we're writing new songs because normally, you know, you kind of stop and then work the record. Well, we have a whole bunch of new material. We've probably got a half a dozen new songs for the eventual second release. So we're not done yet. Oh, and that's just incredible to hear that, too. I mean, when you got that musical chemistry and you got all of these ideas that you want to be able to lay down and put onto a new release, I mean, the the fact that you're in that position where you can immediately start to work on that, that's so great to see that. 
Yeah, it doesn't happen as often as you would think. I mean, um, a lot of people, when they write, they don't want really any input from the other members in the band. They want to bring in their song. And I've, you know, been in situations. Uh, Badlands was not one of them. Badlands was one of those kind of things where everyone got to say what they wanted to say, which I liked and appreciated that. But there have been other projects that I've been in before and after Badlands where this is the song. Here's how I want you to do it. And I don't really care what you have to say. This is my song and you're going to do it the way I want. Well, usually I walk away from that. I mean, because unless you're going to pay me a whole bunch of money, uh, you know, there's no motivation for me to be involved in it. If I can't create, you're not paying me any money and I can't create, then, what, then get someone else who, if you want someone to play your bass parts, get someone to do it because that's not what I bring to the table. That's certainly not what Jimmy brings to the table. I don't tell Jimmy how to play his drums. I can play the drums, but I'm not a drummer. And so Jimmy, he gets to hear the track. He doesn't hear any previous anything, uh, any drum ideas, anything like that. He interprets it the way he hear it the way he hears it the first time same with ryan and it just makes for a very honest interpretation you know as jimmy said very organic and it's very much the four guys together creating whatever it is we're creating at the time oh and again it's just it's so great to hear that and that's why i am such a, a huge badlands fan is because i can hear it through all both albums where you know it's just like that that creativity and that self-expression that's really going on through out the entire band and that's what's really drawing me to kings of dust is everyone is being able to lay down what they want to being able to play for the song but being able to show off what they want to as far as when it comes to the band and i'm glad to see that that is still continuing that you just have that love and appreciation for everyone else in the band and you want to be able to show everyone off in the right light and create the best songs possible well you know um if these guys can't do what they do then i don't need to have them in the band you know i want to have guys that are on the level of of you know the great players that i played with in the past and um Ryan and Jimmy are certainly as good as anyone that I've ever played with and what they bring to the table is every bit as good and as important as anything else so I mean these these guys know their job they know their business they know how to create they know what they want to say and that makes it very important I mean the whole Badlands aspect I get a lot some comparisons from Kings to Badlands really the only comparison is that I was in Badlands I write very similar to the way that Jake writes which is one of the reasons him and I hit it off so well and also because uh, Jake was very gracious in allowing everyone to create their part and um, by the same token I want guys that can create their own part what Jimmy brings to this I can't do I can't write that I can't write it in my head I don't have that acumen to make that happen and what Ryan does I can't again while I can play some guitar I'm not a guitarist what Ryan adds to it I can't I can't do that but it's a requirement for the guys that I play with to be able to do that because while I might be you know on this this last record the main architect of some of that i've just maybe put the foundation down it takes what these guys to make what they add to make the final product sound what it sounds like it sounds better than it would sound in my head you know when i write songs i write them in my head and by the time they get done adding their parts whether it's michael or ryan or jimmy that's the final it, it turns out to be better than i would have imagined would you say so jimmy i think so i think so um you know it's <clears throat> it's an interesting process uh into greg's point <clears throat> Uh, having the uh, guys in the band 
who can share a uh, an ability, if you will, uh, to be able to put down what we've done on this record, since we're talking about it. Um, it, it makes it, and I'm going to go back to what you had said earlier, uh, where you talked about how seamless it sounds, the, the, the songs from seven years ago and, and now. Um, you know, we were, we were all able to say what we needed to say in the songs. Uh, they all come from, again, a very organic place. So uh, it, it actually, actually, it's it's easy for us to to write when we're together. It just it just feels natural. I mean, the thing with the record and the songs on this record is the stuff that makes me interested in music is a lot of moving parts. You know, I don't like just having a verse and a chorus and then maybe another verse and a guitar solo and, and then you chorus that. That bores me. So I'm looking for something that is saying more. It's certainly not Rush or Yes, because I'm not really that way, but from a hard rock perspective i like a lot of moving parts a lot of uh, time changes a lot of breaks a lot of different parts the guitar solo is usually never the same as the rest of the song although unlike an ocean it is but normally i try to write something completely different and that's what keeps me interested and that is also part of the similarity to badlands again we don't sound like it but jake's influences and mine are the same same with these guys their influences are the same as mine so when you get to be in a band you know when i was in badlands and i got to hear the way that jake wrote it just made it so much more fun to play my bass because i got to create such great stuff that's the same thing i wanted to bring to kings is that here it is jimmy gets to say what he says and people it's not an ego thing it's just a, something that you have to say about yourself this is this is me this is who i am this is what i this is how i project my musical personality my integrity same with ryan same with michael so it, it really has a lot to do that's very near and dear to me is to be able to write songs that are very interesting very hooky very melodic but also have a lot of things going on because i've ha heard this a lot people will listen to the record and say wow i heard I, every time i listen to it i hear something i didn't hear before yeah. well that 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 means that we did our job <laughs> yes <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and I was actually going to bring that up as well, too, and I'm glad to see that others are being able to pick up on that as well. Like, every time that I do listen to it, I, I hear something that's different about it, uh, be it a key change or a time change or a, a, a way something's played or something like that. And, you know, it's just it's great to see all these great details that are a part of this music where it can be so different in hard rock music, but, you know, it's, like, it's not like on the progressive side, like, rush or yes and but you're still able to be yourselves and it comes out naturally like that because that's what you want to be able to create well exactly and and, and the thing about you know the thing about that like i said the thing about that kind of music is it keeps me interested it makes it you can still write music that's hooky and has a has a great groove and a great beat and ha it's very melodic it's very sit you can sing along to it and it can, still can have some intricacies intricacies to it that uh just kind to give it our own stamp you know we're not trying to be anyone else we're trying to be ourselves we're not we don't really see ourselves as anything other than kings of dust we all have backgrounds that you know, we come from things that we've done and what it is when we get together it's all of our influences all of our experiences and even on some level there's an emotional content involved in this so all of that is present in what we are trying to say and what i think we have said uh -huh. this record for me it encompasses just about everything that i love about music um you know to greg's point there's a lot of moving parts but you know there's nothing in there that sounds contrived i mean they all come from again a, a, a very organic place 
Um, so it, it, from start to finish, it, it encompasses just about everything I love in music. So you were saying, you know, about the parts. There, there's one song on there which uh, is yours, yours, not mine. The guitar solo, <laughs> the guitar solo section has six key changes. <laughs> who, who writes a guitar solo section with six key changes? When I was showing that to Ryan, he went, he looked at me and he said, "You've absolutely lost your mind." He goes, "How am I supposed to write to this?" Well, I think he figured it out pretty darn well. Yes, he did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's it's great to hear that as well too because to me that's one of the standout tracks to me for a reason like that. I mean, being able to have all of these different kinds of key changes uh, in that section alone, and uh, just being able to make it sound like it came off so seamless when you listen back to it. You know, it's funny because it's actually a relatively simple song as far as the stuff I write because I didn't want to uh, overcomplicate it with a bunch of other parts going into the solo because I knew I had this six key change thing going on, which kind of really took it to another level so it's a very solid it's got a lot of swing to it it's got a kind of a heavy sabbathy sort of zeppelin-y early zeppelin kind of vibe and then the six key change comes up and if when you're explaining to someone yeah it's going to have six key changes they look at you like you have two heads but then when you listen to how that ryan structured that with his solo and how jimmy and i structured what we did from a rhythmic rhythm section point of view it all just fits in there like well of course it has six key changes don't all songs have, all songs should have six key changes they came up very natural sound it's not forced at all yeah oh exactly so you know also with that in mind i mean uh it's great to be able to have uh both you with this uh when i'm thinking about this when it comes to the production side for for both of you i mean what was it like to uh uh, for jimmy i mean what was it like for you to be able to listen back to the album for the first time uh when everything was done and uh for greg i mean what was it like for you to be able to hear all these songs be able to uh help track it and produce the album the interesting part of that of the record is that Michael Beck owns his own studio so we weren't uh, we didn't have any time constraints or financial constraints where we had to do it in X amount of time so it allowed us to, to spend a lot of time getting it right and it's a real studio it's a standalone a standalone studio it's not like a bunch of gear in some guy's living room um, so it's an actual place that's his business so we got to spend a lot of time mixing it the recording process is actually very simple yeah. all those songs there's not one song on there that has more than three takes and there's a number of songs on there that are one or two takes i mean we were rehearsed well enough that if we nailed it right and it felt good sometimes we wouldn't even do another take we would we would know you know collectively that we we hit the mark right there we hit the note we knew that's what we wanted to do from a mixing perspective it was more complicated because i had a certain mix in mind i, I was trying to do kind of a very ted templeman sort of thing and the way that michael mixes in his studio is a lot more modern which is everything is kind of right up the middle the bass you can't really hear it the kick drum has a lot of click to it it's not really a real kick drum and i wanted and that's what's required in this day and age unfortunately or unfortunately depending on how you look at it (laughs) so i we mixed it the first time and i didn't hear what i wanted so we remixed it a second time and i still didn't hear what i wanted so then i went down there with back and we started mixing it exactly the way i wanted it the way i heard it in my head and then jimmy and ryan came in and we all sat there and kind of had some input onto how this was supposed to sound the, most people use about 60 percent of the sonic space that there's available to mix so if you're looking at a tv and it's a 60 inch big screen tv that's what you hear that's that's the level that you can go to one side or the 
other. This record is mixed like it's a 220 inch big screen TV and you can hear stuff wide right, wide left and all across the, sp the spectrum which allows a, a space for the drums for Jimmy to do his thing where you can hear his kick drum and everything has got some separation. It allows a space for the bass. It allows the guitars to have a lot of space where they can kind of weave in and out and then all that stuff on top of it. So it was a, that was the hardest part of mixing it and the other hard part was mastering it because the mastering guy that we were using had never mastered a record that had bass this prominent in the mix. And so we ended up mastering some of it ourselves because we had a sound in mind. We had taken a long time to get there and we didn't want to settle. Uh, we wanted to get it exactly the way we wanted it or as close to it as we could. And then um, it would live or, it would either live or die on its own. So it was a, an interesting process. It was a very gratifying process. And in my mind, and I think the rest of the guys would agree, it was a very uh, successful process. Yeah, the first time that, um, that I had a chance to go in... Uh, um, I'd been in periodically throughout um, some of the tracking process, vocals and whatnot. The first time I heard it played back when uh, Greg and Michael had gotten the sound that Greg is talking about, the overall mix, um, without tooting my own horn, I was pretty blown away. I was pretty proud of what we had accomplished. Um, uh, it's um, sonically, uh, it's it's definitely different than what you hear uh, in, in most mixes, as Greg said, nowadays. And he said, for better or worse, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the low road and say for the worse. I, I really think that, uh, that, our approach um, has uh, played a huge role in how well that this record has been received so far. Um, I only took the high road because I need my karma to be better. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, ha I had a bad week last week. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have a better week this week. <laughs> Oh, I completely understand. And, you know, it's it's, it's so great to be able to uh, hear that from uh, both ends on that as well, too. I mean, the fact that there was a, so minimal of tracking where you, you didn't have to do multiple takes of uh, of the same part over and over again. And, you know, just like uh, cutting and pasting things together. But it was actually like full tracks that were going on with it. And, you know, like sticking to your guns and being able to uh, create the, the mix, the master, the producer. Production, everything that you wanted to have on this app on this album with none without any restrictions of the sound that you were looking for and the fact that you did that you were able to get it the way that you have on this album i mean i can't wait to see how it's going to be going on future releases as well too i mean if it's already turned out this well so far well our next step is vinyl and i think it'll translate to vinyl real well one of the reasons we're not in a big hurry to make it downloadable is because i think you lose something sonic uh, when you go to some of those platforms, it's compressed. It's too compressed. The bass would sound different. The kick drum would sound different. Uh, on, a, on another, to go back to something you were saying, the bass and drums on this record are all completely live. There's, I have, I don't even know how, a very, very minimal amount of things I went in and fixed. And I mean, very minimal. If Jimmy and I couldn't nail it, and we did, then we would have just stopped and started over with the track. So, I mean, there's no, the drums are exactly the way he played them. The bass is exactly the way we played it and Ryan's guitar, rhythm guitar, a lot of that, a big part of that we kept as well. So from a rhythm rhythm perspective, bass, drums, and rhythm guitar, it's pretty much live. And then what, whatever we layered onto it later, which isn't a whole lot of stuff, because I'm not a big fan of that, but whatever we rhythm guitar thing or 
or harmonies, solos, that, that's all added after. But everything else is pretty much pretty live. And most people don't do that. I'm not a big fan of cutting and pasting. I actually hate it. And so do I. And, and I'll tell you, I, I think when you listen to this, you can feel that it's primarily a live recorded record. Um, that's not an easy thing to achieve in a studio. Um, Certainly not anymore. Yeah. Because um, so. everyone wants to go right to, right to Pro Tools. Well, let me just, yeah. I'll, move that, I'll move that around. Yeah. No, how about if we actually learn the song and play it right? How about that idea? That's a thought. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, uh, what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll Pro Tool it, we'll cut and paste, we'll uh, auto-correct it on the, no, no, come, you know, I come from the 70s and the 80s, you know, you had to go in there, you had to know your job, you couldn't go in there and just say, well, I kind of got it, can you fix it in the mix? <laughs> right. No, I don't want to fix it in the mix, I just want it to be right, and I want the real emotion that we had at the time that we were recording it, because once you start fixing and adding and, and all that, you lose the, the honesty and the emotion and the integrity that you were trying to create, the spontaneity that you were trying to create right at that time, that's all gone then. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, and I think that's another reason why I do love and appreciate this album so much is that fact that so much of it is that live real recordings of it it's not pro tooled it's not resampled upon resampling it's it's actually being played it's got that great real warmth uh to the sound to it because it's it doesn't have that hollow digital sound to it it's it's uh real acoustics on the drums you know it's uh, the real instrumentation that's going on there and it it feels like real musicians playing real music and as much of as a dying art form as that can really become the more that i hear someone that is continuing to do that or even newer bands that are do taking that approach as well it couldn't be appreciated more for that reason part of what we're trying to do is the way that it was done back you know in the 60s and the 70s where you actually had to know your job to be able to do it and a lot of the bands that try to do that now they have no experience with that they've been kind of brought up on the uh, american idol uh, america's got talent sort of thing where you don't get in a garage and slug it out and then go do some crappy gigs somewhere and pay your dues you're right there boom i'm on tv here i am hi mom and we don't have any of that because we are a little bit older that style of music that style of recording is all done firsthand for us that's what we grew up on those are the kind of songs i wrote back in the 70s it's the kind of stuff we all played so it's uh again it's a very real real sort of thing there's no cutting and pasting on this record none not a bit there's no there's no uh autocorrect there's no pitch correcting it, it's it is what it is like that's why i can say it's not a perfect record but it's perfect for what it is at the time oh yeah and i think another great way to look at it is it it, it might not be like a, a perfect album where like uh, every single note is perfect or uh it's played exactly the same way but it's a human album it's a it's a real album and that is so much more to be appreciated especially as a musician myself as a music lover like myself and just knowing that actual musicians are playing this and there is zero reliance on anything digitally to be able to enhance the the take and just like actually being able to perform the takes in the studio the way that it used to be the way that it should still be that way and the fact that you are continuing it that way i just love that well there's too much of a um, instant gratification musical world um 
where you can just have someone come in and they just kind of hack out a track and then they do a lot of doctoring to it i mean uh, engineers and producers definitely make their weight in in these days and money because a lot of times you're doing all the work i mean if, if the way that if i had to have a band that had to be pro tooled to death and auto corrected and there's drum no, loops <laughs> yeah there's, there's no sampling on there the, the drums Jimmy's got a friggin' ten thousand dollar drum set. If it doesn't, if, if if I can't get that real drum set on there, what the hell do I even have it on there for? You know. So I want I wanted something that was like the sound I heard in my head. It's the way that I hear it on this record, along with all the voices in my head telling me to do bad things. No way. So uh, that the way that the record came out is the way that I heard it in my head. And even at times trying to explain to these guys, um, here's what I'm thinking. Here's here's the way I hear it. Sometimes they they go, okay. I'm not really 100% sure. And then when they would hear it, they go, okay, now I get it. So, you know, this is the perfect record for me personally because I got to say everything I wanted to say. I got to do everything I wanted to do. And I got to make it sound the way that I wanted it to sound. Very seldom do you get to make a record that sounds the way that you hear it in your head. And I've been lucky with that. Um, now, Michael Beck just showed up better late than ever. And uh, this is Josh. Hi, Josh. Hi. So he'll probably have something to say, but it won't be important, so feel free to edit him out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it's just I love hearing that uh, ringing endorsement that you just gave for uh, that album. And, you know, I do wish that that was uh, something that more bands would strive for, being able to have the sounds that they were looking for in their head, especially uh, with the resume that you have and the rest of the band has, and just being able to make the time, being able to put everything into making the album the way that you want it to be. And this is just a a shining example of uh, not taking uh, any limits and just making it the way that you want to. And it can just come off sounding like such an incredibly produced and well-written record. Well, part of that is, again, the luxury of having Michael own his own studio. So, um, and, and I, I, I agree with Greg on that, but at the same time, this wasn't that hard of a record to make. <laughs> you know, it, the, the musicianship that's involved and the players that are involved with it, it would be, you know, I, I, I told Greg on several occasions, if, if, if I couldn't hear you on the record, what do I need you for? Because <laughs> I know I'd say I think the bass is too loud, and everyone would say no, and I'd go okay. Because I'm not used to making records where you can hear the bass that prominent, where it actually has that that much of its own space. To kind of go back to something you were saying, the reason that younger bands, I mean, I, it would be great if they all did this, but most of them have no experience doing it this way. Exactly. And a lot of guys that have studios or that do recording, whether it's a bunch of gear in a house or a real studio, they also don't have any history experience making a record this way i come up in the analog you know in the analog generation digital was something that came up in the tail end of my time in la and i remember thinking the hell is this and i didn't like it then it wasn't warm enough it wasn't real enough so the reason that this is easy for us is because this is the way i grew up doing it and same with these guys and the reason you don't hear enough of it anymore is because it's really really a lost art it really is it's, and it's a shame and, and, and it is a shame and, and as a studio owner and you know my day job being a producer that's he's exactly right it, it's not just the, the sound of digital has come a long way to emulate tape to where it's 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 come a long long way 
but the art of recording it the way it was done on analog without the opportunity to to pro tools it so to speak is a lost art and i see that with bands all the time i i when i record i kind of i kind of use pro tools as a glorified tape machine so i don't really utilize all the bells and muscles that are in it because to me they're not really good <laughs> I mean, on, on this record as well, Jimmy's not using a click track on a lot of it, except in sections where we are going to add a guitar solo later. There's a lot of stuff that's just the real feel, where the click would count us in, then he would play, we would turn the click off while we played, then he'd turn the click back on when we were getting to a section where we were going to maybe have to add something, and Jimmy would be spot on with the click. We didn't even have to, you know, there's very few drummers that can play without a click, and then it's even rare to find someone that can use the click at one point and then come in where you're supposed to be to add the click a couple of minutes later, and you're still right on. That's, that doesn't happen very often. I guarantee you that. And in, in the recording process, Jimmy was the only one other than, you know, maybe the intro part of it that heard the click. So because he's the drummer that he is, it gives him the opportunity to give that push and pull in a in a very you know analog style way, even though the click is there. And that's the sign of a pretty good drummer. You can pay me later, John. Oh, shucks. <laughs> you guys are too nice. <laughs> Josh, it's not usually this good. And it, it I'm going to revel in this. And, and it won't be any minute for me. <laughs> Well, Jim, Jimmy's a multi-millionaire multi-millionaire. lives in a huge mansion. Oh, here we go. Lives in a huge mansion with a boat and all this stuff. I mean, Jimmy's garage is bigger than my house. So I'm just basically waiting for the day that Jimmy pays me back for me basically making him, well, for lack of a better word, famous. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say relevant, but yeah. Well, almost. <laughs> we should make a movie. Uh, never mind. <laughs> oh, Oh, that's just so great. But you know, you know, thinking about that again, uh, Jimmy, as as a drummer myself, I do appreciate your style so much on this album, and actually just being a real authentic drummer when it comes to that. Because I, anytime that I've ever recorded, I've always been the kind of person that wants to be able to do everything in one take. And even if I uh, screw up or I drop a stick or something like that, I want to start from the beginning of the song and not just like edit myself uh, into that part again because. I want it to be a real natural take from start to finish and have that real push and pull even when you do have uh, the click on there and when you're able to manipulate the time like that and still give it that real natural feel with a click with a with a click uh, you're doing such an incredible job with that and you hear that throughout the entire album and it really makes the album stand out because of that. I, uh, thank you. That's all just me. That's not you. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it's 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 funny when when we were listening to some of the playback um, on Mama. Um, you know, there's if you're a drummer, you've probably noticed that there's a little bit of push and pull on that on that track, um, and there's a real heavy pull uh, uh, throughout the uh, throughout the verse on that. At one point, I remember asking the guys, "Am I am I pulling against that that too much?" And uh, uh, and and I and on that particular track, I think it really helped the feel of it. Absolutely, I like a much more natural feel anyway. So you know, the great bands from the '60s and the '70s didn't worry about the click. Lots of times, they didn't even. Have habit so yeah. they you know if a song sped up or slowed down that to me that was just the breathing of the song it's yeah. the song doing its thing not every song is meant to be at whatever 180 bpm through the whole song it's supposed <laughs> to be basically push and pull 
it should be some should be on the front end of the beat some of it might be on the back end of the beat and there might be everything in between that that's just the breadth of the song and the way that i write because i do have a lot of parts in some of those songs you could not play all those in lockstep with the click it wouldn't sound right it would sound robotic it wouldn't the feel wouldn't be right because in certain songs it's, there's a sort of a almost like a funky swing thing going on and it's more of a rock thing in another part and then maybe it's going to halftime and then maybe it's going to halftime again after that another half time slower you can't do that on a click it won't sound right it's not human yeah. human sounds better did, did you just say i'm not human because <laughs> i'd agree <laughs> oh but no no i i agree with that uh last sentiment as well too human is always better and every time that you do make a human album it just has so much more authenticity behind it and yeah again musically everything that's going on there just uh being able to hear all these real human elements that's going on there and uh, of course uh, the lyrics as well too being able to have a uh, great emotion behind it and being able to show off so many different styles that's uh, uh going on here but still being able to maintain its own identity it just hearing this kings of dust album is just i something i really want people to be able to uh, really appreciate and check out when it comes out next friday uh, for the reason of hearing what authenticity and a real human album sounds like and i hope that it can inspire other musicians to be able to uh, get away from that cut and paste uh, of the world uh, even though it can come out sounding quote-unquote perfect on the record it, it's so much more important to actually show that you are playing the music that you're playing that you can play it either live or if someone uh, asks you to play it for them and just have that real identity to your sound well if we were able to inspire something like that wouldn't that be the ultimate compliment absolutely i mean i we've touched on a number of times and, and you've said as well it's just my concept my idea was i wanted it to be very real uh visceral the whole thing i wanted it to be an honest document of what we were doing at the time and you know so years from now if we're looking back on it you know you look at that i mean in, in the end you can't look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of the work you've done and i've been lucky enough to be you know proud of almost everything i've done and what's the point the money's never good enough to, to do something that goes against what you you know your character uh, you want to be able to rep, you know represent what you do honestly and i and again i think we really managed to hit that there and i think probably everything that we do will have that certain you know stamp of that on it because that's just really who we are anyway we are. So. absolutely and, and proud to be that amen oh so so glad to hear that so, uh, uh, mentioned before, uh, you are uh, working on uh, new material for uh, the next release, but uh, is there anything else to be uh, looking forward to, uh, but obviously, besides uh, the new album coming out next Friday? Like, uh, is there any shows coming up on the, the horizon, or are we just looking forward to the next album? No, we're working on the, the way of doing it. I mean, the chances of us getting on a tour bus for three months, that's not going to happen. Jimmy has a business. Uh, Michael has a studio. I run a guitar store here in Phoenix, Bizarre Guitar and Drum. I'm here five days a week. I have to be here. However, there's a good possibility we could take 10 days. There's a promoter in Texas that wants to book us for 10 days in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, or, you know, the chances of us going to L.A. or Vegas. There's a lot of interest back east. So we could possibly do fly-in dates. There's even some talk about Japan and maybe even some festivals overseas in Europe. 
maybe this summer. So we're kind of open to whatever as long as we can make it to the point where it actually makes sense, um, where we can string enough dates to get where we want to go. I wouldn't mind doing a Monsters of Rock. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing M3 or any of those kind of things. So even the, the festivals in the States, they're all, you know, within arm's distance of what we want to do. We just got to kind of pick and choose. I mean, we'll play here locally and down in Tucson. But um, playing live, we've never played live um, in this band. So we are really kind of jonesing for the opportunity to go out there and do that and see see how the music translates live, which I know it will translate well because the record's basically live. Yeah. And uh, see what people's response is. And I believe hopefully we'll get the same kind of response that you know, we've sold over a thousand of these records on our own of the CD. And uh, the response has been off the hook. So I can't imagine it being any different. And and so we want to be able to take that out live. And uh, people seem to be very interested in hearing it live. And, and if for any reason it doesn't translate that well, it'll be Jimmy's fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything is. <laughs> always got to blame the drummer. Yeah, the drummer. Right, up, right under the bus. Drummers, right. always, always, drummers always get all the crash. <laughs> well, that's just because they like to hang around with musicians. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I mean, I would actually be a drummer. I just don't have the temperament to take that kind of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Actually, I think we should start bagging on Ryan since he's not there. <laughs> be like, right, go somebody else, man. Hey, God gives you a gift; you got to use it. <laughs> oh, exactly. And you know, I love that approach. That uh, the the way that you're looking at uh, possible upcoming shows as well, too. The idea of uh, having uh, quality shows rather than just doing uh, a quantity amount of shows. I mean, rather than like being on on the road like uh, months at a time. You know, like being able to do in s- some flying shows or some uh, festival appearances or playing locally. You know, just like making those shows actually mean a little bit more than just being uh, run down to the ground and ragged uh, at, at the end of a month or two month long tour. I mean, it make those shows mean so much more. And I like that. Well, you know, we've all done it, especially, I, you know, I've done some long tours, 10, 10 months, 11 months, nine months. And you know, that's whoever says that. God, I wish I could go do that. It's because they haven't went and done it. <laughs> they haven't yeah. done it. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you don't get you don't get paid for that hour and a half you're on stage. You get paid for that other twenty two and a half hours you're in a tour bus going. God, I hate these guys. <laughs> so who farted? Knock it off. You know, <laughs> brush your teeth. Whatever. So you're you know that that lifestyle. I mean, it's cool. Uh, you know, I'm an old man. I'm over sixty. I have no desire. I like sleeping in my own bed. However, I do have the desire to go play live with this, and um, I think that you you kind of hit the nail on the head there. We're always going to make every live show count because we're not going to go out for three straight months doing five shows a week. Sure. So when we go out, we're going to represent who we are, what we are, what we do, what we have to say with as much intensity and honesty as we possibly can and really try to enjoy what we're doing because it won't be happening every week. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when people get the opportunity to be able to see you live, it's going to mean that much more too. And I think it's going to be such a greater connection uh, as well. I mean, uh, from being on the stage to being an audience member, I mean, being able to appreciate those songs in that live context and everything else that could happen 
happen into uh, a live show. And yeah, instead of just being on the road months on end, uh, playing five to seven days a week, and you know, just all, all that stuff that uh, happens so much in previous bands and uh, in life before. I mean, now is that time to be able to take a band like Kings of Dust and pick the right shows. You know, being able to uh, pick out the songs that you want to be able to play, what people want to hear, and just have a great time with it. Well, we want to do some shows before I turn to dust. <laughs> and I am getting up there in years now. Uh, in, in several years, that, that, that'll be the name. It'll be Greg Chason's Turn to Dust. There you go. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's great. But, you know, I, I think with that, I think that's such a great note to be uh, ending on. And uh, thank you, all three of you, so much for taking this time to be able to talk to me about everything that's going on in the world of Kings of Dust right now. And, of course, uh, the new album coming out next Friday. I, I can't recommend it enough. This is what I love about hard rock music, uh, being able to hear a, a group of musicians that truly care about the music that they're creating and want it to be as real, authentic, and human as possible and being able to listen to it every single time and being able to pick up on something new something different and just being able to enjoy that experience every time and especially going through uh, this interview and just having this great conversation with all of you this has just been an amazing time and i can't thank you enough for taking this time to be able to talk to me absolutely you know what i appreciate you giving us the opportunity to talk about what it is we've done and and giving us the support i mean it's so hard to do music in this day and age with every other the way people do it's so foreign to how I grew up doing it. So trust me, I appreciate you know your support and and you giving us the opportunity to uh, talk about this. So as I tell you, March thirteenth, if you like seventy uh, style hard rock with a little something something extra, you might like uh, Kings of Dust. Check it out. Yes, indeed. Yes.
to the show you just got done here in Kings of Dust with Like an Ocean, the first track off their self-titled debut coming out this Friday. And before that was my interview with three-fourths of the band, Kings of Dust. And we are just about at the end of the show. Thank you so very much for tuning in and checking out my interviews with Kings of Dust with Sablant and with Novena. I got one more song before I forge towards the sunset, but before I go, make sure to go to thatdrummerguy.com for all of your drummer guy needs, including almost all 700 interviews. I'm nearly at 700 interviews and that's so cool to say that. My link to Spotify to be able to check out that drum guy's song of the day. And to be able to check out Backwards Marathon, my weekly written ranked discography of a band for the week. And this week, it's death. 
himself. Once again, thank you so much for tuning into the show this week. I'm leaving with one final track. This is from the band Body Count. Off the 2020 album Carnivore, this is Body Count with the title track Carnivore. Until next week, this is that drummer guy saying, see ya. show as that drama guy tune in next week for another two hours of the best heavy music today check out the show on apple Podcasts, Castbox, google Podcasts, podcast addict spreaker spotify and tune in for music submission interview submission or any other information for that drummer guy email that drummer guy at that one drummer guy at gmail.com or that drummer guy pr at gmail.com make sure to follow that drummer guy on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, thattrummerguy.com for all your drummer guy needs. Intro and outro music is provided by Clock Kicker. Support Clock Kicker at clockkickermusic.bandcamp.com. That Drummer Guy is a creation of Josh Rockquist. Any other use of that drummer guy without consent is prohibited. All rights reserved. Until next time. Hang in there, stay positive. It's worth the fight.